Uh, if you have your Bibles, open um, them to 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to talk about uh, the first chapter this morning, and then over the next couple of weeks, chapters 2 and 3. Chapter 2 is really nuts. Um, there's so much going on there. Uh, chapter 1 is a little bit easier, but next week, I think we might have to get Stony Bowles to come back after last Sunday's message and uh, tackle chapter 2, Sonny. If you were here last Sunday, uh, Stony Bowles gave a, just a beautiful message of First Peter chapter 5. If you didn't get a chance to hear that, I want to encourage you to listen to it uh, on the podcast. It was amazing. Second uh, Peter uh, chapter 1, the first couple of verses say this. Simon Peter, a servant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. The guys from the Bible Project, you probably heard, they said that this is most likely Peter's farewell speech. Peter knows he's probably going to be dying soon, and so he wants to make sure that he speaks everything that he can to those uh, churches that um, he loves and cares for. He describes himself in the first verse in a couple of ways. The first thing he says about himself is that he's a slave. He's a, a bond servant. Some, um, some translations like the NIV just says a servant. But other translations say something different. A slave, even, bond servant. Moses would say the same thing. Moses would say, I'm a slave. So would Elijah. And so would David. Peter is saying, hey, I'm, I'm a bond servant. I'm a slave to, to God and to his will and to his way. And then he says what he's about. He says what he does. He says, I'm an apostle. I'm a sent one. I've been given this role. I'm a bond servant and I am a sent one of Jesus. And he says that the faith received by these new persecuted Christians, largely persecuted Christians, that their faith is as precious as his. And I think this is amazing. Your faith, your story, no matter how crazy or beautiful or wonderful it is, your faith is as precious as Peter's faith. Your story is just as precious as every other story in all of Scripture. I just think that's an amazing truth that Peter wants to make sure this church knows their faith is as precious as any believer. And then he says that same blessing as he said in, the, um, in his first letter. He says that blessing, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. I love that blessing. How about we bless the person sitting next to us with that blessing? Can we just say it over the person sitting next to us? Yeah, just, hey, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Can you say it to the person sitting next to you? Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Grace and peace be, <laughs> grace and peace be yours in abundance. The next couple of verses uh, communicate some of the most incredible truths. The guys from the Bible Project used the phrase mind-blowing. Did you hear that? They said mind-blowing. It's about these next couple of verses and the implications of these next couple of verses. So verses 3 and 4, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world 
caused by its evil desires. Mind-blowing. I want to talk about this for just a second. If you don't hear anything else, uh, uh, you got to get this. Through Jesus, you and I, we are participating in God's own divine nature. We now share in God's own life and love. And it's been given freely. It's just been given to us as a gift. Sometimes when we talk about God's divine nature, we talk about God's glory. Uh, the word glory in Greek is a word, uh, it's doxa, D-O-X-A. It's where we get the word doxology, glory, uh, doxa. God's glory becomes our glory. Peter says, because of what Jesus has accomplished, Jesus's perfect love has been given to you and given to me. God's glory becomes our glory. You've been given everything you need. Everything you need, you've been given. This is reminiscent of Psalm 23. You probably remember the introduction to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You've been given everything you need. You've been given everything you need. You lack nothing. You are complete in him. There's nothing else that we need to add or nothing else that you can do. You've been given everything you need. Now, this doesn't mean that you all of a sudden have this sort of knowledge in which, you know, you can fix your brakes or something on your car. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that you have all the knowledge or the ability to fix all the great unfixables in your life. And it doesn't mean that you won't have longings, or you won't have struggles, or you won't have wants, or you won't have desires. That's not what it means. It means that you are complete in Him, in this life, and in death, and in resurrection. Friends, I want you to hear me. This is enough. This is enough. The moment that this is not enough, the moment that we have to have something else, that we got to do something else, that something else needs to happen in order for this to, the moment that we need something else or someone else, we miss the beauty and grace of the gospel that's been given to us. You have everything you need. You lack nothing. Peter says two things that we receive. We receive his power and we receive his promises. So verse 3, we receive his power. Verse 4, we receive his promises. The essence of Christ, the character of Christ is given to us by the spirit of Christ who now lives inside of us. We now have his power and we are able to live into the promises in which then we participate in the divine nature of Christ. So let's talk about power for just a moment. I want you to know the kind of power that you've been given. Two verses or two passages of scripture from Paul. The first is from the letter that he wrote to the church in Rome, Romans chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. And then a, verse, a passage of scripture that's really familiar to that in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. Paul writes these words, But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. 
The same spirit that lives in Jesus lives in us. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms for above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way, you have been given the same power. The power that raised Christ from the dead, that same power has been given to you, has been given to me. All that is true. You have the power of Christ for everything you need, every situation. That Jesus face, that power now dwells in you. You probably remember this. Let me give you one more passage real quick. You probably remember this one. Does anybody remember the Great Commission? Uh, Matthew chapter 28. Jesus said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The first phrase there, all authority can be translated as to all power. All authority has been given to me, so I'm giving it to you. All power has been given to me, so I'm giving it to you. All authority, all power, I'm giving it to you. His divine power has been given to you and me. Listen, the same divine power that created the universe is given to you to create. The same divine power that can sustain all the natural forces of our natural world is given to you to breathe life into this world. The same divine power that can heal the sick is given to you to be the presence of his healing in your life. The same divine power that can raise from the dead is given to you to partner with him in making all things new. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Verse four, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil. He's given us his divine power. He's given us these very great and precious promises through which we get to experience his divine nature in our everyday ordinary lives. Let me just give you a really quick reminder of Jesus's promises that are for you. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. He says, this is a promise. I will give you rest for your souls. Mark chapter 10, verses 27, Jesus says, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. This is one of his promises. All things are possible. Mark chapter 11, verse 24, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. 
Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be given to you as well. It's a promise. It's one of his promises. He's giving it to us. He's giving it to you. Everything will be possible for the one who believes is Mark chapter 9, verse 23. And the last one, here's a promise. This is a kind of a bummer. In this world, you will have trouble. I promise. How's that one sound? Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. I know. Like, Jesus, come on. Jesus promises you that you will have trouble. And yet, he says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. It's a promise. In him, he has overcome the world. I want you to know that you haven't done anything to deserve all of this, and neither have I. God's just given it to us through the person of Jesus Christ. God is the divine initiator six times in these couple of passages, in these couple of verses, uh, it, it, it just becomes clear. Peter says that it's God's divine power, not yours, not mine. He's given us everything we need to live a godly life. God is the one who calls us to himself by means of his marvelous glory, not ours, not that we're great, not that we're awesome, by his marvelous glory. Because of his glory, he's given us these great and precious promises. His power, his promise, his invitation, so that through him, you and I can participate in his divine nature in the here and now. This is mind-blowing. This is absolutely nuts. And then Peter says these words, uh, verses 5 down through verse 11, um, for this very reason, for this reason, everything that I just said, for this very reason, he wrote, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from by their past sins. This is really, really interesting. Because if you read these verses, it makes it sound like, wait, I thought we've been given everything. Wait, 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 wait. I thought we have been given everything we need. And now Peter is saying, oh, and by the way, Brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. If you do these things, you will never stumble and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Does that not, does something not sound right there? You've been given everything, but oh, by the way, there are all these other things that would be good if you were able to acquire. It kind of sounds like a left-hand turn. It might sound strange to you, that's not, Peter's not saying that. He's not saying that you have to add to your faith because he's already given you everything um, that you need. Let me just remind you really quickly. He's not talking about our salvation. He's not talking about crossing the line of faith. He's, it's really clear in the first couple of verses of this letter. He's talking about our sanctification. He's talking about our holiness. He's talking about us learning to live in these truths that have been given. He's making it clear what it looks like for us to live into these truths. Transformation, it's growth. He's saying that there is an active part in this partnership. It's for us to cultivate the character of Christ in our life. And guys, 
This is his whole story, right? This is Peter's whole story. Like he was given everything with, by Jesus. You know, do you love me? I love you, the whole thing. And then 30 years later, he's just been living into it and he's been working it out. Paul writes these words to the church in Philippi. He says, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, how much more here in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I think what Peter is saying here is you've been given this mind-blowing nature of the divine. Now work it out. Work it out. Learn to live into it and learn to live from it. It's a partnership between Jesus and you through the Spirit. You and I get to participate in God's divine nature. And then Peter's going to highlight these seven characteristics all without any explanation. There's no definition. There's no description. He assumes that the readers know what they mean. He says goodness, at goodness. He talks about goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and then, and then love. You guys know some of Peter's story. This is, this is part of his testimony, Right? I'm trying to learn how to live into these truths my whole life, he's saying. These are, these are really similar to the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about when he writes to the church of Galatia. He says, you know, and if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Learn to live into these characteristics of Christ in increasing measure. Let me just stop real quick and share just maybe a shallow illustration that might help put all of this together. We spent uh, the week of the 4th on Hilton Head Island. Our whole family was there. The whole crew was there. We love it. We've been going there, same week, same place. We've been going there for like 20 years. All kinds of craziness has happened over those 20 years uh, at the beach. We have a blast. We ride bikes Every once in a while we surf. We talked about that the other day, Carly. We, all kinds of craziness goes on, doing puzzles, play cards. Uh, well, this year our whole family was there, as I mentioned, including our granddaughter. Oh my gosh, there she is. And every morning, Lennon just happens to be a morning person, at least right now. And so every morning she'd get up early and I'm a morning person. Every morning I'd get up early and one of her parents would come out of the room and they'd be like, here, you know, I'm like, Yes. And so I scooped that kid up, man, and we'd just like go. We'd be gone. Like two hours I got on the beach with this kid, and we were just wandering around in her stroller, and we were singing songs. And there was this one day in the middle of the week where I was just like overwhelmed. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. I didn't do anything to deserve this. This was just given. She was just given. I didn't do a thing. I just got to wake up when she woke up, and they were like, here. And I was, I was overwhelmed. I started to think back over these 20 years of being in the same place in the same time, thinking about how faithful God, and I was pushing the stroller down. I was pushing the stroller, and I just started singing, Sonny, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. I just couldn't get over Oh, my gosh, God, you are so faithful to me. Great is thy faithfulness. We got sort of to the end of the street, and there was a bakery over there. And I was like, yeah, let's go to the bakery. And I pulled, in the, pulled her stroller into the bakery, and then I, was, I saw the, the little uh, the case with all the cinnamon rolls there. And I pulled her out of her stroller, and Lennon has look, Lennon, and Lennon can't talk. 
with words, but she can communicate with her body and some sounds. And she was like, yes, this is awesome. Let's do it. And so we got in line, noticed there was a line and I was like, oh man, there's a lot of people here. And so I'm holding her, trying to keep her quiet and calm. And she's kind of salivating and I'm just like, oh, this is awesome. And the line got, you know, finally short. And I noticed that everyone was buying a cinnamon roll. And I was like, oh man, there, don't do it. <laughs> there will be no mutual affection if there's no, no cinnamon rolls left when I get up there. And the guy in front of me, true story, buys the last four cinnamon rolls. Oh, that's right. Oh my goodness. You gotta be kidding. And so I, they said, oh, well, how can I help you? And I was like, you gotta have more cinnamon rolls. She goes, oh no, we're all sold out. These are like the best cinnamon rolls on the island. Oh, great, great. Well, what else do you have, you know? Oh, well, we don't really have anything else. There's no more, this is, we're all sold out. I'm like, you gotta find something. This kid, me and this kid. And she goes, we have cake. <laughs> and I said, yes, you do. We'll take a whole cake. And uh, so she's like, okay. So I've, she comes back and I, I said, how much is it? I look for my, I reach for my wallet. And what happens? Oh, no, it's right. I don't have it. I don't have my wallet. And in 30 seconds, I went from Great is thy faithfulness, O oh God, my Father. In 30 seconds, where did I go? That's exactly where I went. You know where I went. It's a very, very shallow illustration to explain we have everything we need. I didn't do anything, just given this kid. And then all of a sudden, I have no patience, I have no perseverance, I have no mutual affection, I have no love, not even for myself. You face all kinds of different circumstances and contexts and things are so much more challenging than that little illustration. The invitation is for us to learn how to live into the divine nature in the midst of our ordinary, everyday lives. <laughs> you want to know the end of the story? <laughs> what do you think happened? Who said that what happened? Say, who said it? What do you think, Peggy? <laughs> that would be so awesome, but that's not what happened. All right, let's just keep going. <laughs> um, let me see. I've totally lost it here. Here we are. I'll say this, Peggy, on the way home, I don't know how this works for you, but on the way home, I'm pushing the stroller and I'm thinking like a moment ago, how bright, how light, how loving was life. And that sort of spotlight on everything good then took away the light on the darkness. And if you will, the dark became darker. And on that walk back, there was a recognition of all that was good. And there was a recognition in me that all that was not. There's a lot of work to do here. There's a big invitation here. It's a really cool invitation because this is, there's some stuff here that needs to be resolved. I can look at this moment and I can realize now maybe this is just a glimpse of what Peter might be getting at. At the end of that list, he references love. 
And the definition that the guys from the Bible Project gave us is love is devoting oneself to the well-being of others, no matter their response or the cost. Love is to share in God's own life. Y'all, this whole thing isn't just for you and it's not just for me. This whole thing about being reminded that we're forgiven and that grace and peace and abundance, yes, it is for us. Yes, it is for Peter's readers. Yes, but it is for a lost and dying world. It is for more than you and more than me. It is for the world. We are in Christ for the sake of the world. If we all get this and this all makes sense and next Sunday we have it all figured out, but the world doesn't know it, the world doesn't feel it, the world doesn't believe it, because we don't live it, then we really haven't gotten anywhere. It's one thing to know the love of Christ. It's another thing altogether to become the love of Christ. That's what Peter's writing about. So what would that look like for you? Peter goes on in this chapter to say that his life was all about these things and it was challenging and this is my heart. He reminds them about the fulfillment of prophecy and then he shares his own testimony. This is verse 17 and 18. He says, Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We heard this voice. It came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. That voice at the Mount of Transfiguration, same voice that spoke at Jesus' baptism. We talked about this a few weeks ago. In Jesus' baptism and then in our baptism, this truth becomes our truth. Peter ends this first part of his farewell address by talking about love. You are the beloved. You are the beloved. And you have everything you need to live a life of godliness. I want to encourage you, like Peter. Maybe you got things going and things are going well, or maybe like Peter, you've messed up a thousand times. I want to encourage you to learn to live into this truth, to lean into this truth. I think Peter is encouraging us to figure it out, to lean into it. This is what's true. Now let's learn to live into it. I want to encourage you to do the same. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for gifting us with your power and with your promises. Thank you for giving us all that we need for today. We have it. You've given it to us. Give us today. Our daily bread is our prayer. And you say, yes, you've given us all we need. And so now we receive Again, we just receive. We receive your promise. We receive your power. We receive your daily bread. God, may our lives be lived as an overflow of your grace and peace to those around us and to a lost and dying world, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.